Amen. Philippians chapter 1, I want to read a few verses of Scripture and then uh, make application for us tonight. We'll commence in verse number 25. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. We're going to focus on verse 27, so pay close attention. Only let your conversation or your way of life be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. I want to draw your attention to five words in verse number 27. Striving together for the faith. Tonight I want to teach, preach a little bit from this verse, this topic, together for the faith. Father, I'm going to do the best I can to teach and preach Your Word. Regardless if I'm satisfied with my delivery or not, will not make a whole lot of eternal difference. And so, Father, we ask that Your Holy Spirit work amongst us and take the seed and plant it in fertile soil so that in the hearts of these men and women, we will bear fruit in the days and weeks ahead. Thank You for this faithful church and for those that continue to strive together for the faith. And may they take encouragement tonight from Your Word. And should there be a soul here tonight or listening in that does not have confidence of their eternal destiny, I pray that tonight you would open their eyes to where they could see clearly and understand the gospel and be saved. And certainly before it's eternally too late. Now bless us, we plead in Jesus' name. Amen. Your church, Gospel Baptist Church, is not the result or the responsibility of one man. It's not the responsibility or the result of even one family or even one generation. If you look at the history of your church and even the churches preceding this church that actually passed the faith down to us, it's the result of hundreds, yea, thousands that have gone before us and that will come after us should the Lord tarry His coming. We're all in this together. People of God that strive together for the faith. Now when Paul is writing this church, keep in mind, this is a happy church. This is a church that he actually likes. And uh, you say, well, we lo- God loves every church. God may love every church, but not every preacher loves every church. Paul loves this church. This is a church of joy and brings a lot of joy to his heart. And when I say that, keep in mind, he's in prison writing this, and yet his heart is filled with joy because of the church. And quite frankly, without stroking you, this is a happy church too. Your joy and happiness is contagious. Even if you're not feeling good when you come in the doors, when you leave, you leave with a smile in your face. The smile in your heart as well. This is a joyful church, and Paul loves this church. 
And yet he wants to remind them church is more than just a happy place. We're striving together for the faith. So what's that look like? Let me give you four quick thoughts. Striving together for the faith. Number one, it's... Wait a minute. I don't want to cuss in church. So if you could just mute this so it doesn't go out all over the internet. It's work. That's a four-letter word that most don't want to hear today. It's work. This generation lives as if they are entitled to any good thing they desire, and they expect the government or the church or their friends or their mommy or their daddy or somebody to give it to them. And our world's governments have produced the most self-centered, lazy, bored, violent, disrespectful, pleasure-seeking generation in history since Noah. I'm telling you today, when God says we're in this together, it is work. There's no shortcuts. And we all look for shortcuts. This generation is constantly trying to invent some new machine to get out of work. And then they join a health club so they can work out. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, But if any provide not for his own, and specifically for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Listen, if anyone ought to be an example of what work looks like, it ought to be those of us that name the name of Christ. I tell young people, for crying out loud, just be a good Christian. Do what the Bible says and work. You want to get ahead in life? Work. You have little competition. <laughs> Today we want to commend everybody for anything. Well, that's just my little boy. That's my little girl. If they're lazy, somebody needs to tell them. Well, don't be unloving. Don't be unkind. I'll say it in a nice, soft voice. You're a sloth. <laughs> Together for the faith involves work. For crying out loud, we give out rewards for kids that put on a uniform. We play games and don't keep score, and every game ends in a tie. I tell our young people in our church that even a mosquito doesn't get a pat on the back until he does something. We're in this together, and it's work. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, we're so familiar with, and we tend to forget verse 10. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. James says, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I'll show thee my faith by my works. We don't get saved by works. 
But those of us that are saved, we work. It's work. Think about it. Just going to church can be work. I mean, when, when I was younger, I used to make fun of the old men in our church. We'd play softball nearly every Sunday afternoon. There was one summer we played, we played softball. I taught the young marriage and told them, we're going to enjoy the church park we have. We have a four-acre park. We're going to enjoy it. So we play softball. We started playing in April. Believe it or not, it quit snowing in April. We started playing softball. We played every Sunday, even on Mother's Day. We were men back then. We only did that one year. <laughs> there was a lot of marital counseling after that year. And I used to invite some of the older men in the church, come on, come on, well, let's come play softball, preacher. I just can't. I mean to tell you, I hurt so bad. Oh, suck it up. Now I understand. <laughs> Man, you know, some of you old folks, you know what I'm talking about. In the morning, you open your eyeballs. You don't jump out of bed. You don't even roll out of bed. You take inventory of all the body parts to see what's hurting and what's working. And then you proceed from that point in time. Just attending church is work for some. And to attend faithfully, it's work to read your Bible. Some people are not avid readers. Does that excuse them from reading God's Word? Oh, no. If you just read the shortest verse in the Bible over and over, and it takes you 15 minutes to read John 11.35, then so be it. If you're going to strive together for the faith, we're in this together. We're going to be people of the book. We're going to read the book. And then to memorize the Word of God. How many old folks, I, this church blesses me in a lot of ways, but having these guys and putting them on the grill right up here to quote the scriptures, that's, that's nice. I like seeing that because typically you people sit out there hoping that the preacher will misquote scripture. This is nice, letting other people mess up every now and then. You people are gracious. You applaud them like they said it correctly. The reason why you do it is because you don't know the verse yourself. <laughs> it's work to memorize the Bible. But if you don't memorize the Bible, you know what's going to happen? You're going to struggle way too much with sin in your life. Well, not us old people. We don't struggle with sin. Yeah, you do. The just shall live by faith. That's from... Beginning to end. And it's a battle the whole way. It's work. Older folks sometimes come to me and say, I can't memorize the Scripture, so I'll, I'll treat you all like those few people. Repeat after me. Just say, Jesus. That's pretty good, but not all of you said that. Now, that's a holy name, so go ahead and say it. Are you ready? Jesus. What word did we just say? Okay, say the word wept. Now, what was the other word we said? Okay, let's put those two words together if you can remember them now. Okay, here we go. You just memorized a verse of Scripture. You can do it. And you're saying, well, you're mocking me. That only has two words. All right, let's go up to three. Pray, 
without ceasing. Let's put all three of those words together. You can do it. Well, most verses don't have three. Well, if all you can memorize is three, memorize three words at a time. I'm just trying to remind you, people do what they want to do. And if you want to memorize Scripture, you will. And it's mandatory if you want to keep sin out of your life. Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against God. Psalm 119.11. It's work. It's work to witness. Now, most people think I'm just a natural talker, and I go out and talk with people. I don't like people. I don't want to engage in conversation. And so if I'm going to be a witness, I have to work at it. I have to deliberately be prepared and go after it. When I go into Starbucks, I'm there for coffee. I'm not there to be a witness in my natural thinking. Are you with me? Now, most of you are more spiritual than I am. I understand that. But I'm, I'm getting more spiritual hanging around you, so there's hope. But what I have to do is think before I even get to Starbucks, when I get there, I want to pull out a track. And I pull out one of my good, good tracks. I must ask you a question. And that has a handlebar mustache on there, and I just get right into it from there. I have to be prepared. Otherwise, work is a choice. I can't, I can't fathom the thought of someone going to heaven and standing before their God saying, Dear God, I followed Jesus my whole life and never won a soul. Jesus said, follow me. And if you follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Followers fish. So if we're not fishing, we're not following. Or if we are following, we're not following as close as we think we are. We're following afar off like Peter did on one occasion, you remember? Where did he find himself? Warming his hands at the fire with the enemy. Actually denying the very one he loved. And many believers today follow Jesus at a distance. They're hanging out with the worldly crowd, denying their Lord, but deceiving their own selves, thinking they're Followers of Christ. Oh, we're followers, maybe, but from afar. Witnessing, soul winning, is the work of the believer. And it is work. Tithing is work. I mean, you have to work just to tithe. <laughs> I mean, ministering to people is work. Now, it's easy to love those that love you, but it's difficult to love people that don't love you. It's work to clean a building. It's work to repair. Every time we walk in this year, particularly, I say to Lori, I love what they've done to this auditorium. The remodel is, is beautiful, but it didn't just happen. There was work that went into it. 
There's work in programs. There's work in a Christian school. There's work in a bus ministry. There's work in sermons. Don't take that for granted when the man of God stands here in the pulpit. And you ought to be grateful for the man that you have. When he stands in the pulpit, well, he's been at it. It's easy for him. It's not easy to prepare a message. Oh, to get up and talk and wind jam, sure. But to know the Scripture and to be in touch with God, to know what God wants the people of God to hear, that's work. It's work to prepare Sunday school lessons. There's nothing easy in the ministry of the Lord. When Paul says we're in this together for the faith, he's reminding this church that's filled with joy, it is work. Secondly, jot down this word, it's war. It just doesn't seem right, does it? I mean, how many know what I'm talking about when when I say this? Do you remember when you finally decided to start working for the Lord, start reading your Bible, start tithing, start witnessing, start showing up at every service, start uh, getting sin out of your life, and all of a sudden, you're under attack. You're thinking, wait a minute, God, I finally get things right and I'm doing things for you and I'm under attack. It's harder now than it was the other way. Yeah. You know why? The devil doesn't want us to work. It is war. That's why, do you remember Nehemiah when they went to do the work of building the wall around Jerusalem? In one hand, they had a trowel. In the other hand, They had a sword. They were ready for the work. They were ready for war. Let me remind you today, politicians are not our enemy. They're pawns in the hand of the enemy. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And folks... That spiritual wickedness in high places has escalated this year. And our weapons are not carnal. They're spiritual. And the people of God need to get in the book. Let the book get in them. So when they speak and the pressures of life squeeze them like a sponge, instead of bitterness and anger flowing out, the Word of God flows out because we've immersed our life in the book. It is the sword of the Spirit. And if there's any hope for our country, if there's any hope for our neighborhoods, if there's any hope for our churches, it's from the Word of God. We fight against we fight against our adversary. I don't think I need to educate this church, but I do want to remind you, we still have an enemy called the devil. Satan is alive and well. Peter's message is just as relevant today as it was when it was penned. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. John 10.10, Jesus said, The thief 
speaking of the devil, cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Listen, the devil wants to rob from you, take from you the most valuable things that you have, your mind, your mouth, your manners, your money, anything of value the devil wants to strip you of, take it from you, but he's not satisfied with that. He then wants to kill you. He wants to make you lifeless to where there's no movement for the cause of Christ. But he's not satisfied. I've had church members that were once soul winners, tithers, givers, faithful in the house of God. Today, they're out of the church. What happened? The devil robbed him. He killed him. But he also destroyed him. When he says destroy, he wants to annihilate any good memory, any good thoughts of God our Father. No remembrance. You say, that could never happen. I hope it never does. But I know my flesh, and I'm too fearful to let it go very far before I want to run back to Jesus and get it right. The devil is alive and well. He's out to destroy us. And even us old folks, listen, we fight against apathy. The opposite of revival is not rebellion. It's apathy. And it's not just teenagers that are apathetic. It, I, I try to encourage our senior saints, don't coast out in your last years. Take the time that you have. Take any extra money that you have and invest in the future leaders of our church. Take them with you on visitation. Pray with them at the altar. Discuss the Scriptures with them. They need to hear what an old saint of God has experienced throughout his Christian life. And it will keep you sharp. But if you're not careful, old-timer, you'll become apathetic. It's easy because we've heard everything. We've heard every sermon a preacher can preach. We know the doctrine. We know the Word of God. No, we're not going to say arrogantly we know everything in the book. No one would have the audacity to say that. But we get comfortable with the, the amount of knowledge and the amount of experience and yea, even the amount of blessings that we've received from God that we coast. God help us to fight against apathy. We have to fight against attitudes. Romans 14.10 says, But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. I'm telling you, we have to fight attitudes of envy, and jealousy, and bitterness, and greed, and covetousness, and sensuality, and carnality, and deceitfulness, and a critical spirit, a lackadaisical spirit, a prideful spirit. I'm talking about from little kids to those that are in their 90s. It's a battle. We fight against apostasy. The word apostasy simply means falling away or depart from the truth. We have been given 
a holy book. And if we're not careful, this is what I've observed in so many or several families, their children don't want the old-fashioned gospel. And so they, they go to a new modern way where you can serve Jesus and still satisfy the flesh. And parents who feel bad because they don't want to be left out of their children's lives, and understandably so, they begin to depart from the faith so that they can have fellowship with their families. Can I remind you that the prodigal son's father never once went down to the pig pen? Never sent a care package. Never sent a, we miss you in Sunday school card. Or at least it's not recorded in Scripture. That's not cold-heartedness. I think we would all agree that when that boy just came to himself and made his way back home, the father was constantly looking for that boy's return. And when he saw his boy on the horizon, he ran to greet him. That's a loving father. And today we have parents that actually enable their children in their sinful decisions. The preacher, they're good kids. Well, define good for me. There is none that doeth good. Well, preacher, you know what I'm talking about. No, help me out with this. Do you mean they have value? They, they have a soul and they have value. I understand that. That's why God loved them so much to save them from their sin. Because sin will ruin them. Are you listening? We fight against apostasy. Doctrine does make a difference. Our eternal destiny depends on doctrine. Therefore, we can't dilute the gospel to make it easy for anybody to fake it. We can't say that baptism is not important. An unbaptized believer is an oxymoron. It's a contradiction of terms. Where in the Scriptures do you find an unbaptized believer remaining so? The virgin birth is non-negotiable. We believe in the Holy Father, the Holy Son, and the Holy Ghost. We believe salvation is from the Father, by the Son, and through the Holy Spirit. Salvation is of the Lord from beginning to finish. It's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but by His mercy He saved us. We believe Jesus Christ saves us from our sins. We believe Jesus Christ started the church for His disciples to belong and serve to win souls to Jesus Christ. We believe Jesus is coming again. Hallelujah. And if there's any modern day reminder, it's this COVID-19 stuff. Do you realize, have you even observed, since the very first day I've gone out on the limb to say, do you realize how quickly Americans have surrendered their freedom to our government? How quickly, without 
reservation and churches so quickly? I mean, quickly. Hand over their freedom? I'm not judging. I'm just saying, did you, did you see that? Can you not see how easy it'll be for the Antichrist to come in and deceive the... We know there's going to be a one-world religion. We know there's going to be a one-world currency. We know there's going to be a one-world leader. And COVID-19 has united our world. I'm not saying COVID-19 is an indicator of Jesus coming back, but it could be. And quite frankly, I got my bags all packed and I'm ready to go. He's coming again. I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. We are not of the seeker-sensitive persuasion. We preach the Bible, the whole Bible, and nothing but the Bible without apology. Not arrogantly, not with mean spirits, but confidence knowing this is what God says. I ask you today, who is on the Lord's side? I got two more points to get done in a couple minutes. This is the cherry on the Sunday for me. Number three, it's wonderful. Together for the faith is wonderful. I mean, to be able to see people that are messed up by sin, made clean and honest and wonderful citizens and holy people bringing honor and glory to God, that's wonderful. To see marriages that are about to split up and some that have, have split up be brought back together and develop a marriage and a home that honors and glorifies Jesus Christ? That's wonderful. Souls that are headed for hell, people reaching out to drugs and immorality and the things of this world to get some type of satisfaction, get introduced to Jesus Christ and have their life changed? Woo! That's wonderful. He that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing bringing his sheaves with You want to feel good? Go win a soul to Christ. You won't need Disney World. Just go win a soul to Christ. Oh, let me say it quick. A couple of years ago, Lori and I had the opportunity to go on a Disney cruise. If you've never been on a cruise, I'm telling you what, we wouldn't have to go anywhere in the Caribbean. We could stay in port the entire time. I'm there for the buffet. Paul said, I buffeted my body, and that's, that's what I want to do. For It's all the food you can eat. You can have room service throughout the night. I bring two sizes of swimsuits because by the end of the week, the first one's not going to fit. So hallelujah. I'm telling you what, we got on a Disney cruise, and, and it, we were over on a Sunday, and so they have an uh, an ecumenical service, I presumed. It wasn't a fundamental, independent, narrow-minded, King James-only, red-letter edition, no fun Baptist church. I, I wasn't expecting that. And we got on, we, we went to their chapel expecting to hear Kumbaya and 
God loves you and be done. But it's the Lord's day. I felt like we ought to at least make an attempt to go to church. We got up there, and this guy was up there leading music. And I mean, there was only 20 of us in the room, but I mean, it was a spirited song service. They were actually singing some choruses, and um, they were good choruses. I mean, really good choruses. And then he stopped and he said, you know, I love these choruses because we're praising God, and when we get to heaven, we're going to be praising God. But you know, I just, I just like those old hymns. Because those hymns, they teach. They give us doctrine. They give us truth for our faith. And so if you don't mind, I'd just like for you to sing with me some of the old hymns of the faith. I thought, wow, on Disney. He was from Jamaica, man. And so, I mean, he led with spirit and we start singing some of the old hymns and I'm looking around to see who the preacher is. And, and all of a sudden he set down his hymnal and he picked up his Bible and he said, well, we don't have a chaplain on the ship. I'm just the meat cutter down on the third deck. And uh, I volunteered to preach the chapel services just so I could come up and see the sunlight. And so, <clears throat> and so I'm going to preach to you today. And I know some of you probably have a newer version of the Bible, but I hope it won't offend you, but I've just got this old King James version of the Bible. Poof. On Disney! <laughs> he said, so I'm going to read out the King James version, and I just feel like if a, an old meat cutter on a Disney cruise ship can understand the King James version, every one of you should be able to understand it. I don't think it needs to be rewritten. It just to me needs to be reread. I said, glory to God, preach it. I mean to tell you, he preached. I don't mean he chatted with us. He preached. He preached Jesus Christ crucified, buried, risen, and coming again. And when he said amen, I'm telling you, we were in church. God was with us. And then as soon as church was over, I was ready for the buffet. But my wife and the other preacher's wife, they wanted to tell the preacher how much we enjoyed the services. All right, let's get with it. And like many churches, the preacher's shaking hands with everybody and you always have one that holds up the line forever and a day. And so they're waiting, and I'm starting to get seasick, and I don't know if it's because of the ship moving back and forth, or I'm just getting hungry again. So I go sit down, and while I'm sitting down, the girls are up there waiting to talk to the preacher. God taps me on the shoulder and says, Bruce, why don't you just volunteer to preach tonight in the evening service? And I looked around thinking, maybe God was talking to someone else. No, no, you, Bruce, are you talking to me, God? Yes, you heard him announce that there's going to be another service tonight at 11.15 for the crew. Why don't you volunteer to preach? And I said, dear God, you, you know. I, when's the last time I ever stayed up to 11.15? I can't stay up to 11.15. Just go ahead and volunteer. I'll, I'll bless you. I'll help you out. Tonight. But God, you know, tonight the Super Bowl is on. And God, seriously? But God... I'm on vacation. God said, do you want me to go on vacation? 
And all I could see was an iceberg appearing in the Gulf of Mexico. I said, no, 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 no. No, I'll, I'll go up there. And I got up there and got in line and waited. You know, you just wait your turn. And you hear all the girls, <laughs> knock it off. Come on, I'll hurry up now. I finally get up there and I'm, hi, my name's Bruce Humbert. I'm from the south side of Chicago. I'm a preacher. And, uh, <clears throat> and you know, I didn't have my mustache curled pretty. I was Pastor Walrus then, so it didn't look like a preacher. Now I look like a preacher, but I didn't look like one then. And so I said, I'm a preacher from the south side of Chicago. If you'd like to have a guest speaker, I'd be glad to preach for you tonight. And he looked at me strangely like I'd look at you if you volunteered to preach at my church because you're not going to. And I said, sir, listen, trust me. I'm only up here to clear my conscience with God. God prompted me to come up and offer, and, and really, I wouldn't have me preach. Quite frankly, I don't even want to. And I can't remember the last time I stayed up to 11.15 anyway. And he just smiled. He said, thank you. He said, all right, folks, we have a guest preacher that's speaking tonight, so I want to challenge the crew. Let's get a good crowd here tonight. And I couldn't believe it. We watched the Super Bowl, and I still had to wait an additional hour to go to church. At night, 11.15, we had another spirited song service. I preached. There were 30 in the service. You know, your Sunday night service is typically not larger than your Sunday morning service. That's a 50% increase. Preachers think those things. 30 were in service at night. 10 of them stood publicly to trust Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. I'm telling you, even on vacation, striving together for the faith is wonderful. I couldn't believe it. He asked me, he said, would you like to preach for us again Thursday night for our crew? I said, listen, you think I'm just trying to be funny? I can't stay up this late. He said, Brother Humbert said he'll be here Thursday night. Let's try to increase the crowd even more. Throughout the week, no matter where we were on the ship, crew members that were in the service on Sunday night, still filled with the joy of the Lord, came up and said, Brother Humbert, that was wonderful. I got a visitor coming Thursday night. I felt like I was back here, I got a visitor. Is there any more? Do you need any more food? Do you want another Mickey bar? Do you need another? I mean, they were waiting on us hand and foot throughout the week. And Thursday night, we had 40 in service. I told him, I said, I'm going back to America. I'm resigning my church. I'm going to raise support and be a full-time missionary on Disney Cruise Line. <laughs> we're going to win everybody to Jesus, including Mickey. Hallelujah. I just want to remind you folks, yes, serving Jesus is work. Yes, it's war. But oh, it's wonderful. And can I wrap it up by saying, it's, it's worth it. Paul wrote the church in Rome saying, he was a southerner. He said, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. 2 Corinthians 5 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. There is a judgment day coming. 
And everything that we've ever done for Christ, whether anyone else noticed it or not, God is not unrighteous to forget your labor of love. Listen to me. We tend to remember the mistakes of people. If I mention David, what do you think of? If I mention Samson, what do you think of? We by nature, our depraved nature, loves the junk of this world. That's why even those that say they're saved buy the junk at the checkout counter at the grocery stores. Or watch the the stuff on television that is nothing but a lie about sensuality. That's our depraved nature. It's, It's drawn to that. But God can forgive a man and still use him. I think of the man David. God used him after he got right with God. Now, he had to pay for the consequences, the consequences of his sin. But God still enabled him to be used of him and wrote much of the scripture we counsel people with from the book of Psalms. I'm just saying, God is not unrighteous to forget your labor of love. And there are people all over the world that do not enjoy the easy life that we have in America. You think it's rough here. Try being a Christian in Asia, or Iran, or Iraq, or Lebanon, or Egypt, where they are martyring scores, even hundreds of believers. And when they look at America's Christianity, they look at us as pseudo-Christians because we sacrifice so little. And they are willing to give their lives. I want to encourage you, keep on keeping on. Work hard. Fight the fight. You're going to enjoy it because it's wonderful. But even if you don't enjoy a minute of it, you're going to stand before a holy God someday. Sooner than you plan. Sooner than I plan. And we're going to give an account for every deed done in the flesh. And at that point in time, we'll say with the songwriter, it will be worth it all when we see Christ. Folks, you got a wonderful church. Let's work to keep it that way. Paul said, endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit. You can have it today and it'll be gone next year. The devil is out to divide and defeat this church. Let's not let it happen. We got a job to do. Let's keep after it. Together for the faith. Let the next generation look at the pictures and replay the testimonies of this generation being faithful to the end. And I want to encourage all of us, 
on this Memorial Day weekend. Let's leave a memorial for future generations that it is worth it to serve Jesus. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, thank you again for your love to us. Thank you for your blessing. I pray that you would bless the teaching and preaching of your word tonight, and I pray it was an encouragement to these saints. Help all of us to engage in the work and in the war. And all of us have our stories and testimonies of how wonderful it is. And for those that have maybe uh, started coasting a little bit, we have a mentality in America that you work 30 years and you quit. That's not in the Bible anywhere. We know that. And so we know that doesn't apply to your work. So help those of us that have the time, the energy, the health, to use it for your honor and glory, being a good example for the younger generation that Jesus Christ would be praised. For it's in his name we pray and ask. Amen. Let's if you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.